0: Welcome and thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Matthews Podcast, a podcast highlighting commercial real estate news topics and trends from top professionals in the industry. Today, we will be dissecting the shopping center sector and the shifts occurring in the space with our specialized experts, Devin Dykstra, Trip Brown, and Grayson Duck. Devin is the retail director for Matthews Shopping Center Business in the Western U.S., She has extensive experience and exposure in the capital market space, which has proven to be useful in her shopping center real estate business. Tripp focuses on the disposition and acquisition of multi-tenant retail investments within the Matthews Shopping Center division. His specific areas of expertise include shopping center investments in the Southeast. And Grayson is a retail leasing professional for Matthews. He represents a wide assortment of property types, including neighborhood and grocery-anchored shopping centers, high-end single-tenant retail, commercial pad sites, and ground-up construction projects. Welcome to the podcast. Now, let's dive in. First topic. As retail experts, I'd like to dive right into an overview of the shopping center market. So, Tripp, why don't you kick us off? How has the shopping center market fared this year?
1: The short answer here is significantly better than last year. I mean, of course, COVID-19 had a significant impact on the shopping center sector, just like the rest of the industry here. But as we come into 2021 and approach somewhat normalcy in certain regions of the country, we are seeing an uptick as far as collections and much less rent relief being required across the sector.
0: Great. And which type of center is really flourishing and and which ones are having more trouble?
1: In general, your smaller footprint centers have outperformed their larger counterparts uh, over the past year with your neighborhood retail, your inline strip centers being the top performers there, grocery anchored neighborhood centers being the absolute top, top of the market. The Larger centers with your larger footprints, malls, power, community centers were the biggest losers in the pandemic, mainly just because of the lack of retail foot traffic. This especially hurt these larger footprint soft goods retailers that often occupy these centers.
0: Who in particular is buying the top end centers and the stuff that's trading actively? Who are you seeing as the big players in that space?
1: So we're seeing a wide variety of buyers come to the table, everything from private capital to private equity as well, just coming in and really bidding up these assets. Specifically, I'm here in the southeast. We're seeing a lot of outside capital coming in out of the west and northeast that's really pushed pricing in the region this year.
0: That's interesting how active the private market has been. Have have you seen institutions kind of dipping their toe back into retail this year?
1: We have. We have. um, It's just tough from their perspective as well, because they do have to hit their numbers and the way that pricing is. I mean, it's just so drastically elevated. It makes it tough for those larger groups to check all the boxes.
0: The market really turned on a dime February and March, and, and retail quickly became a, a hot sector again. What's the financing look like on the debt side for these assets?
1: Recourse debt continued on through the pandemic. Live companies and banks continued lending, which supported transaction velocity of smaller centers and centers with more favorable tenancy. However, The CNBS market was essentially non-existent during the pandemic, which heavily impacted your larger transactions. We have seen an uptick in CNBS activity as we're coming somewhat out of the pandemic here. So we expect that to return to near normal over the next year.
0: That's great. Let's uh, move on to our second topic. Let's focus a little bit more closely on leasing strategies and uh, kind of specific trends within these shopping centers. So we'll flip over to Grace and Duck here. What does the current environment leasing look like for shopping centers? Yeah,
2: well, you know, on our end, uh, things are looking good. Things have been looking really strong this year compared to last, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth market uh, in Texas. You know, we've seen tenants... Uh, like Tripp said, they are shrinking their footprint down. A lot of them are taking less space than they were before. Uh, but tenants have been active and doing deals again. And that's always a great thing to see.
0: Have the landlords been any more proactive? What types of strategies are they taking to attract tenants? Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
2: they, they, they have to be. Uh, a few things that I've seen landlords implement in the past year uh, to get deals done, uh, include increasing tenant improvement allowances for tenants construction and their build out. Uh, we've also seen them offering additional free or abated rent once the tenants do open for business that helps them, uh, you know, kind of get up and running on new construction space, uh, which we've been working a lot on. Uh, more landlords are willing to deliver the space in a white box condition uh, and do the build out pr- work prior to delivering the space to the tenants, as opposed to just offering out a tenant allowance. Uh, especially for the mom and pop tenants, uh, this is, you know, really important and it has helped us get deals done because you know they they might not be experienced in doing that build out, uh, and so having the landlord be able to do that work for them. Uh, delivering the space a lot closer to being able to open uh, has helped us get deals done.
0: What sector specifically has the strongest leasing momentum and, and which ones have lagged?
2: You know, when when tenants are looking for space, I would say absolutely uh, second generation space uh, ha- has been um, going a lot quicker. You know, tenants are looking for second gen space. The cost of construction is so high that everyone is really focusing their efforts on finding second-gen space, especially restaurants. These second-gen spaces are flying off the shelves. They get leased before they even hit the market. It's preferred because tenants' construction and startup costs are substantially lower in this sense, and they're able to open sooner uh, than if they go with shell space and they have to build it out completely. uh, Then, then obviously, their costs are going to be higher, even with the landlord's TI. And so we've seen you know a lot more second generation retail and restaurant space get leased out this year over the uh the shell and new construction spaces we've been working on
0: that's interesting cuz obviously the covid impacted the restaurant space you know disproportionately interesting to see them bouncing back so quickly what what are the uh the rent levels like to pre covid at this point have we caught back up
2: you know in Dallas, in the Dallas Fort Worth market, I, I was kind of actually, uh, you know, shocked by this, but we didn't really see a big decrease in rent. Uh, there were other things that were done uh, in lieu of lowering the rent. Um, some, you know, things we've been seeing is force major language in a lot of leases. You know, that helps the tenants in case when, you know, when the Government mandated a shutdown. Their their rent was abated. It wasn't waived. It was just abated and pushed off. Um, so that helped a lot of tenants during during COVID. But now uh, I would say uh, almost all the landlords I, I've worked with, you know, they're they're receiving full rent. Uh, or if by now if their tenants still are not back up to where they were, they're looking to backfill it. But you know, a lot of these second gen restaurant spaces, they're paying the, the same rates they were pre COVID. Uh, which has really, really been a really, you know, a great thing to see.
0: I would have thought we would have seen a much bigger hit to rent. Nice, nice, <laughs> uh, stabilized or, or, remained. I
2: think, I think something that's helped there is just that being, uh, us being in Texas. I think there's a big difference between some, you know, uh, a shopping center in Dallas compared to something in, in maybe California, right? Where the government has come in and had a lot more limitations and restrictions on these tenants because we have been back open. Uh, for so long in Texas, it's given these tenants uh, more runway to get back on their feet as opposed to some other states. And so I think that's why um, there wasn't as big of a hit here uh, as as there were in other parts of the U.S.
0: Good point. All right. So now maybe looking more into the future, uh, let's turn to Devin. What does the future of shopping centers look like in your opinion?
3: Yeah, so in today's market, investors are really attracted to pandemic and e-commerce resistant tenancy, strong locations and high yields. So the retail centers that we're seeing with the highest demand include grocery anchored shopping centers, jewel box retail pads and drugstore anchored centers with limited shop space. So the first would be grocery anchored centers continue to be one of the most highly sought after asset classes, um, mostly because they typically offer a safe space for capital. These types of centers consistently attract nationally recognized businesses and investment grade tenants. Uh, the second would be these jewel box retail pads, which are typically out parceled to a larger center and offer some kind of a drive through capability for an end cap tenant. These pads generally consist of about two to five tenants and have become a more attractive option for some investors because they consist of essential use investment grade retailers at higher yields and higher yields and smaller price points. Um, And the third type of retail centers with the highest demand would be drugstore anchored centers with limited shop spaces. Drugstores proved to be extremely pandemic and e-commerce resistant throughout the COVID-19 virus. Thus, driving cap rates down. However, these centers must have a very small percentage of shop space to gain investor interest, due to blending uh, The lending environment having some hesitancy with more of the mom and pop uh, local retailers.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly telling in the uh, the the box pad space. You know, I don't think most people realize that. That single tenant netly space only uh, got hotter in COVID exactly. as people kind of flew to safety.
3: Yes, definitely. What do you
0: what have you seen uh, landlords and owners uh, in the way of being creative to make their shopping centers more versatile for uh, for investors?
3: Um, yeah, so we've seen a few creative ways that multi tenant retail owners and buyers are reevaluating their investment strategies as it relates to shopping mm-hmm. centers. Um, the first of which would be. We're seeing a lot more multi tenant owners list their assets uh, on the market. That's the first investment strategy because they're able to take advantage of extremely compressed cap rates in the space due to a lack of quality retail assets that were available throughout the entire year of 2020. Um, second, we're seeing owners spin off their jewel box repa- retail pads to seek higher yields and lower their overall basis, which has been a, a really strong breakup strategy impacting the market today. Which I would say is very similar to, um, you know, the single tenant triple net asset. Now you're looking at two to five tenants, all similar lease terms, but um, you have annual rent increases and and higher yields. So a lot of owners are really uh, capitalizing on that space. And third, some owners are taking advantage of unutilized land on their properties, and we've seen them sell off a portion of some of the unused parking lot spaces to developers so they can convert into some additional parcels at those specific centers.
0: So, so actually reconfiguring the centers as well. Uh, what, exactly. what, kind of expound on that a little bit. What, what's, the, what's the hottest trend in, uh, as developers you know, either make new ones or redevelop the old centers?
3: Sure, yeah, that's a great question. I would say sticking to this kind of retail pad space in terms of new development, a lot of owners and developers are working to incorporate some kind of drive through capability. Um, the biggest change I'd say since COVID-19 is finding uh, accessibility and prioritizing accessibility for, for consumers. So. Tenants just like Chipotle and Starbucks, they have both announced plans to obviously open new locations, but you'll start to see a trend where tenants such as these that are located in inline shop spaces are either moving to locations where they can have an end cap and have the, a Chipotle uh, concept um, or have a Starbucks drive through because they understand that having this drive through capability not only helps with e-commerce resistance, but is also pandemic proof. So we've seen a lot of developers really prioritizing drive-through access, um, as well as uh, just trying to work on getting some new, um, healthcare tenants that are actually new to the market in terms of in a lot more of shopping center spaces. Um, they're trying to obviously get as close to the consumer as possible. So having a healthcare tenant, a medical use tenant in a shopping center is driving additional foot traffic to the neighboring tenants and just overall um, helping these Centers become more
0: successful. So, so we're seeing a move from from healthcare into retail. Um, so, a little bit of yeah. combining of two, you know, formerly separate sectors. That, exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, exactly. who, what what other uh, tenants are the developers kind of targeting for these for these ground um, these ground up uh, development deals?
3: Well, so they're definitely sticking to your typical um, investment grade triple net lease types of tenants. In the shopping center space, you're seeing a lot of these food oriented businesses who want to have drive-through capabilities. Um, As I mentioned, healthcare space, you're seeing a lot of DeVitas, but those are a little bit more single tenant, but you're seeing different types of um, discount retailers coming into some of these locations. There are tenants that are are downsizing or right sizing, as you will, given that they no longer need as much space as they once did. So I'd say it's a mixed bag, but you'll see a lot of the national players trying to expand in new markets to capitalize on on potentially some vacancies where um, non-investment grade tenants are no longer coming back. um, And they want to capitalize on that space as well as spaces that have more patios for restaurants. I know that that's a big trend as well.
0: Great, interesting. All right. Um, going back to kind of to specific regions that you guys are all experts in. Let's let's go back to Trip in the Southeast. You know, as we wrap up the podcast here, do you have any parting words of advice for investors looking to become more active in your region in the, the retail sector?
1: So the southeast has grown into becoming a very prominent region for outside investment, uh, especially this year with just the immense migration of capital. I alluded to earlier coming out of the west as well as the northeast and an immense amount of international capital coming in as well. But I would say just prepare for a highly competitive environment and be ready to operate in a business friendly environment as well.
0: Sounds good, Grayson. What are we seeing in Texas?
2: Yeah, you know uh, a lot of the same things that Trip mentioned. Um, you know, DFW in particular. Uh, you know, in all of Texas, uh, it's one of the most desired markets in the U.S. right now. I think, uh, I think it's going to continue to be the case as people are trading out of their assets, in places like California, uh, to place their capital in Texas. Um, you know, my words of advice are: make sure you find a broker you can work with who's um, not only someone you can trust, but someone who's local to the market and who really knows what's going on has a, you know, their finger on the on the pulse uh, of the market, uh, and someone who specializes in um, the product type or property you're looking for. In this case, most likely shopping centers, um, they can go a long way to help you find the best assets that may or may not be listed on the market.
0: Great, and Devin, what are we seeing out in the West?
3: Yeah, so I definitely have to mimic both Trip and Grayson, you know, for investors in the western U.S. looking to become more active in the sector, I really recommend just being more open to different markets. I mean, there's so many well-located multi-tenant retail assets that have pandemic and e-commerce tenant rosters across the entire country that provide attractive returns. Um, Although Southern California is still a hotbed for multi-tenant retail We've seen a lot of investors that are finding success in this space now looking out of state for opportunities, whether that's targeting states with no income tax, um, just trying to get, you know, a little bit more yield on their investments than it, if it were sitting here in California. So, um, I, I can definitely say a lot of our investors are definitely looking in the southeast now. They're looking up in the Pacific Northwest regions where they might not have been previously. So, um I do say my advice, you know, for someone who wants to get active is, is definitely mimicking what, um, what Tripp and Grayson said, you know, seek out an expert in the region of, of somewhere that you're looking because not only will they have existing relationships with um, other brokers and owners, but um, they'll actually be able to help you really narrow down exactly what kind of investment you're looking for based on the tenant makeup, based on the location, based on everything that, you know, an investor should be searching for. So. Um, I think seeking any Matthews agent would be a, a huge win for someone trying to get more active in the space.
0: That's right. And, and don't forget the Midwest. We're here, too. So <laughs> anyway, thanks, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us and sharing your insights today. These are you know, really important topics and really important uh, for all of our investors. Uh, we appreciate your time. I know you guys are very busy. So uh, take care and be sure to tune in next time.